1: Thank you Lord for our time together today and we ask your blessings on our service and we pray you meet with us and speak to our hearts and Lord we do have two families that are experiencing devastating loss and Lord we just pray that you minister to their hearts and that you fill the void in their life with your presence that you give them the grace and the strength that they need to face each day and and God there's some sometimes we don't have the answers to questions like this of why something like this happens. But God, one day, I guess we will when we get around the throne in your presence and We'll have understanding, maybe a little bit better, but God, we don't know why tragedies like this happen, and, but Lord, we just pray that your grace is always sufficient and that you minister to the hearts of these families that are suffering, even as we speak this morning. Be with them and encourage their heart. Lord, I pray that you open our hearts and our minds and help us to receive the word, and uh, the word of God is spiritually discerned, so our prayer is the same prayer that Martin Luther prayed many, many years ago. When he prayed that the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and make us all more like the Son of God. And God, that's our prayer today. Uh, The Word of God is spiritually discerned as we break bread today, as we dive into the Scriptures, as we look into the Word of God. We pray that the Spirit of God would illuminate the verses and give us understanding of what's being taught and what's being said there uh, and help us to apply to our lives and live accordingly. We ask your blessings on our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, say amen with me, okay? Today we're going to continue, and this is going to be part three, and I'm going to conclude with this message on the Christian walk. And we've had to break these up with some different events in between this, uh, but last week, and we may need to bring the house lights up just a little so they can see their sermon notes, uh, so let's bring those up just a tad, and last week uh, we had our baby dedication. By the way, we had ten children and babies up here that were dedicated to the Lord last Sunday. Give the Lord a praise offering. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty exciting to see. And uh, we've got a second wave of babies coming here at Victory Church, so that's exciting also uh, to see that. And that's one of the best ways to grow a church, right? It's the most fun way to grow a children's ministry uh, by no stretch of the imagination. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, but anyway, we're excited about that. So that was last week. So we had to take a little break. And so today I want to conclude this message series that I started several weeks ago on the Christian walk, the Christian walk. And in the Christian walk, we're talking about six different principles on how we as believers should be living our life. Now, one of the key verses in this this series is found, and I think I may have it for you on the screen here, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7. Let's read this verse together. Let's read it together. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, I want you to notice the key verse there at the beginning. It says, but if we do what? If we walk. There's something that we've got to do. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about fellowship. I'm talking about righteous living. I'm talking about letting our light shine. I'm talking about being a good influence and a good witness And a good, having a good testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ We are to be walking in a certain way As believers Just watching someone's life Really you should, That should be an indication On whether they are a believer In the Lord Jesus Christ or not and One of the things that we find In the epistle of 1 John Is that we find there are some definitives There are some rights And there are some wrongs And there's not a whole lot of gray Do this, do, don't do that And there are some right and wrongs in Scripture Scripture, period. Hello? I realize people don't want to hear that today. Uh, People want to say, well, it may be right for you, but it's not necessarily right for me, or you may interpret it that way, but my interpretation is this way, and so, you know what? That's not how God's Word is. It's either right or wrong whenever it comes to everything in all of life. There is a sunrise and there is a sunset. Hello? And the same is true with God's Word. There is a right and a wrong. And that's one of the things I love about the epistle of First John. And whenever we were talking about VBI classes, that is one of the epistles that I wanted to teach uh, was First John. And I thought I would lean there and maybe just get through all three of those epistles. But we put Psalm 119, which is an amazing study. Really, Psalm 119, if you've never read, so long as Psalm, i, I, I got to get off of that. That has nothing to do with this message. It's an, it's an amazing psalm. 119, the longest one in the entire collection of Psalms that we find is Psalm 119. So that's gonna be a great study. So, uh, you may wanna sign up for that one as well. Okay? So anyway, we're talking about the Christian walk. Now, whenever we talk about the walk, we're talking about the way that we live. Okay? We're talking about our lifestyle. We're talking about how we live our life and the principles that we're basing that upon, okay? So last uh, several weeks, I've shared with you a few things. Uh shared with you, first of all, we talked about step number one, and this is all in your notes, and these are already filled in. We've already unpacked them. We talked about practice stewardship. And we've got to understand that as a believer, we don't own anything. There's nothing that we have sole ownership of, including our own life. We're just managers, and that's what stewardship means. We're just managers. And for those of you that sat under my teaching long enough, you know that whenever we get to stewardship, there's a little four-word phrase that I love to use, and it kind of sums it all up. And let's say it together and say it really loud if you know it. Let's say it together. God owns it all, period, right? Tap your neighbor on the shoulder right now and remind them that God owns it all. Go ahead and do that, right? Right? We need to be reminded of that from time to time. God owns everything. I mean, he owns it all. Everything that he has placed in your possession, he's placed it there for you to be a good manager of, right? And ultimately to use for the kingdom purposes and ultimately for his glory. So we talked about that, and I don't have time to go back and unpack that today. Uh, God owns it all. Step number two, master yourself. In other words, self-discipline, self-control. Guys, do you realize that that is one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control? Do you realize that? Whenever we look at the fruit of the Spirit, we find there's joy, love, peace, and, and what have you. But one of them, the last one that's mentioned there in Galatians, is self-control. You know what God wants you to do probably more than anything else? He wants you to put some self-control and self-discipline in your own life. Now, He doesn't want you to control your neighbor. Hello wives, he doesn't want you to control your husband and husbands, he doesn't want you to control the wife. Say amen or old oh me, you better let me know you're listening. Right? He wants us to put some self that is one of the fruits of the spirit. And the only way that we can have self-control or self Discipline is that we've got to make a choice that we're going to die out to the flesh We're going to walk in the newness of life We're going to produce the fruit of the holy spirit That is empowering us and giving us wisdom and giving us insight so we can live our life And then we're going to produce some self-control in our life Okay, so we talked about that master yourself step number three in these principles that we are to be Living out in our life is simply to love your neighbor as yourself now, that's right beside the great commandment, right? An uh, individual came up to the Lord one time and said, hey, what's the greatest command of all? Great question. Fantastic question. What is the greatest commandment in all of the law or the scripture? You know what he said immediately? Jesus quoted the Shema, which is Deuteronomy chapter 6. He quoted that immediately, which, by the way, was probably the very first passage of Scripture that any Jewish or Hebrew boy would have memorized, would have been the Shema, where he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We're to love God. And that's exactly what Jesus said whenever the individual came and said, Master, what is the greatest commandment? Love God. Love the Lord your God. My question to you would be, do you love him? It should show in how we live our life. It should show. There should be evidence coming from our heart and from our life and our actions that we love God. But then he said the second is likened to the first. You know the verse, right? What's the second? It's likened to the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Treat people the way you'd want to be treated. Have you ever ran across those individuals that all they want to talk about is themselves? Hello? You ever run across those people? You ever run across those people that the only thing they're concerned about being happy is themselves? Hello? Don't be that person. Matter of fact, and we put up a couple acronyms. I think I took them out so I would move on and not get hung up right there. But one of them is ARK, right? right? Random Acts of Kindness or acts, acts of Random Kindness, A-R-K, right? We need to be doing some of that. We need to be intentionally every single day looking for opportunity to serve someone, to show acts of kindness to someone. It blows people away today if you just stay a little bit longer and hold the door open for them and don't try to rush to the counter, right? When you're, when you're, at, when you're at Culver's, which by the way, if you're, if you're a saint, if you're a child of God, you need to be eating at Culver's. They have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. And the ice cream is amazing, right? It's one of the four food groups, ice cream, right? Yeah. But here's the deal. I find people just, they see people going to the door, and you'll see people racing to get in or running up to the counter to get in front of someone. Why don't you just show a little act of kindness and just kind of hold the door for them? Let them go first. You know, look for, opportun- look for opportunities to be kind. What about another acronym, Joy. You know how you have joy in your life? It's Jesus, others, and yourself. So you know what our biggest problem is in life? It's us. It's you. You know what your biggest problem is in life? You. (laughs) Me. You know what my biggest problem is? Me. You know what we need to do? We need to get out of the way. And the best thing that will determine in all of life is, listen, now hold on to your hats right here, but life is not about you, right? God didn't put you here just so, just so you could be served. He put you here to serve. Jesus said, I came to serve. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So look for opportunities to love your neighbors. Be kind, right? Acts of random kindness. Have joy. Jesus, others, yourself. Get self out of the way. I got to go on. Step number four. Behave respectfully. Now, we have scripture for all of these, and we've already unpacked all the scripture that goes with these. And if I do the scripture as well as review, we're still gonna, I'm still never going to finish this message, okay? Behave respectfully. Being rude is never acceptable. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care if you didn't get any sleep last night. I don't care if the boss is angry with you. I don't care if you and the spouse are not getting along. Listen, there is, and I don't care if the kids have kind of driven you to the end. No, there is never a time in your life when it is acceptable to be rude. But just don't touch me today. I hadn't had my morning coffee. There's no, there's no excuse for that nonsense. Are you with me? We need to behave respectfully, be kind, crude, harsh language, hard language, dirty jokes, crude talk, mean words. There's never a time as a child of God that any of that is acceptable. Can I get a witness? Right? So my point is simply behave respectfully. Now let's get to five and six here real quick, and I'm going to be done with this series today. Five and six. Now, Now we're going a little deeper into this. Do not encourage others to sin. Do not encourage others to sin. Now we're talking about our Christian walk. We're talking about how we are to live. Guys, do you know it... Get this. You need to write this down. I don't have a slide for it. You need to write this down. It does matter how you live. It does matter. Matter how you live. Now understand, I'm not talking about living a certain way so that you can go to heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. There's none of us that could live a good enough life to get to heaven on our own. None of us. Right? That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being the light of the world. I'm talking about having a Christian impact and influence on our culture. I'm talking about living righteous. I'm talking about promoting the gospel of the church or of Jesus Christ and the church and the ministry of the church, which, by the way, Jesus came to die for. So whenever I talk about it does matter how we live, please don't misunderstand me and think that I'm talking about you've got to live like this in order to get to heaven. None of us could ever live good enough to do that. Are you with me? The only way any of us will get to heaven Is by having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when God the Father looks over the portals of heaven, he sees the entire human race. He only sees the entire human race clothed in two individuals. He sees you clothed in Adam which is in your flesh, which is in your sinful nature, or he sees you clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. All of the righteousness of Jesus has been imputed upon us as a believer when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that's the only merit that we have to be able to stand before a holy God and enter into his presence. Amen? And if I had hair right now, I'd be standing up on the back of my head because i got goosebumps running all up and down my spine right now. Right? You want me to tell you why? Because I am clothed, not in the righteousness of John Cannon. I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. All of his righteousness has been imputed upon me as a believer. That's why Jesus said that now I can come boldly to the throne of grace. I can come straight into the presence of God. Not in myself, but in the righteousness of Christ. Are you with me, church? That's enough to make an Episcopalian shout just a little bit. Hello? To know that we are clothed in His righteousness. So therefore, that's talking about heaven, right? How we get there. Salvation. I'm talking about how we live our life, So that we can help promote the gospel. So that we can help be the light of the world, which we're called to be. So that we can influence lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the church. Let me give you a few verses of scripture here. Now we're bringing all of this context out of 1 John. The epistle of 1 John. I'm going to read 1 John 3.10. And then I'm going to jump to Romans 14. Okay. 1 John 3 in verse number 10. It says, by this it is evident who are the children of God. And who are the children of the devil. Right. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Right. So you're letting your true color show. Really by the way that you leave your life. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. You you get it? Say get it. You say got it. Get it? Good, right? I mean, what a a just black and white verse that is. But I want to go to Romans 14. And I want to talk more about this do not encourage. How could we, by living our life, encourage someone else to sin? Well, that's what I want to try to briefly unpack. And by the way, this will be brief because I don't have much time to, to get too deep in this. But Romans 14, we're going to look at verse 20 and verse 21, and then I want to go and kind of look at the whole chapter. It says, do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Now, there's an argument going on here whether the believers could eat a certain food or not, right? And and the same argument is found in the letter to the church at Corinth that the apostle Paul gave when he wrote the the letter of the epistle of Corinthians. But in Romans 14, he's, he's addressing, once again, pretty much the same topic there's a dispute among the believers on whether they could eat a particular food or not eat a particular food. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean. But it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. say right there on that verse. Look what I have in bold and highlighted. Let's read that part together. It is wrong, let's all read it together, here we go, let's start again. It is wrong for anyone to make another stumble. That's what I'm talking about right there. It does matter how we live our life. Our Christian walk does matter. You want me to tell you why it matters? Because someone is watching you. Someone is watching you. There may be someone in the church, there may be someone else in the church that is watching you, maybe they're a younger believer, not necessarily in age, but in their relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe they're a new believer and they're kind of looking to you, They're not, and, and, and they're looking at you and, and they're paying attention to what you do and they see you do something that may cause them to stumble. Or to fall. So that leads back to step number five. Do not encourage others to sin. You see, God's work is to build others up. That's our job as a believer is to encourage one another, to love one another, to build one another up. And the only way we can really do that effectively is when we realize that our life is screwed up completely apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing of value that I could bring to you whatsoever in and of my flesh, in and through John Cannon, but in the power of Christ and clothed in the righteousness of Christ, I now can help encourage encourage and build you up as we build each other up as we walk this christian walk we got to be careful that we do not cause others to stumble now i want to look i want you to turn in your bibles to romans 14 and here we're just going to well i use the logos bible software app and so when i open that app up and i have i'm at romans 14 it's asking me would you recommend the logos bible software app to a friend and my answer is, yes. So if you don't have the Logos Bible software app, download it. It's a great app, right? Great scripture you can have it with you. Romans 14, are you there? Now we're just going to read some scripture here. I'm going to read out of the NIV, and that's the translation I'm going to use for this text. But open your Bibles to Romans 14. And I, don't, I, and I know you're probably frantically looking on the slides. I don't have all of this on there. So just leave that verse up, and then I want you to look at Romans 14. Are you there? Let me know when you're there. Say, say I'm there. we got two. We'll wait on the rest. Are you there? If you, don't have a device, if you don't have the Bible on your device, you don't have a Bible, and you see somebody else has one, scoot over, get next to them. Okay, Romans 14, are you there? But well, we'll go ahead and start. Here we go. I'm going to read. I'm just going to read. I, I probably will read the entire chapter. Is that okay with you if I just read what God's Word says? Pertaining to... Not encouraging others to sin? Let's look at that. Leave that verse up, if you will, please. The, oh, unless you have it, you may have it, Brad. I don't know if, if you have it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Verse number one. Except the one whose faith is weak. Now, it's talking about those that are weak and those that are strong. It's not talking about in your flesh. It's not talking about your muscles here. It's talking about in your spiritual relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, except the one whose faith is weak. In other words, there may be a new believer there. Or there may be someone that's been a believer for a long time, but now they've gotten really weak in their faith. Scripture says don't disown them. Don't kick them out on the curb. He says accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. You know there's some things that just aren't worth arguing over. Hello? Look at verse number two. One person's faith... Allows them to eat anything. But another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. You got to understand, there was a big riff in the church over what was clean and what was unclean, over what was able to be eaten by believers, possibly food that was offered up to pagan gods. There were some of the believers that was eating that food, and it caused a tremendous divide through the church. And that's why the Apostle Paul is addressing that with the Christians in Rome as well as the Christians in Corinth. They all had that problem. By the way, we have that problem, the church in general today. We've had this problem here at Victory. I've had folks take me out to lunch. Say, Pastor, I want to take you out to lunch. Can you meet me for lunch? I think, yeah, it'll be a great time. Let's meet for lunch. Right? Little did I know I was getting blindsided. You ever had a meeting like that? Preacher just want to tell you something. I saw so-and-so doing something and another and blah, 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 and you need to say something. You need to stop that. You know what that is? That's carnal. Are you with me? That is carnal. That is what's taking place here in Romans 14. Let's look at it. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. So in other words, I've got a message that I preach. It's called Drop the Rock. And I keep that rock right here on the platform to remind me that my job is not to judge This is when they caught the one in the daughter and they brought her and threw her at the feet of Jesus. And they were going to cast stones, right, at her. And Jesus said, he without sin, let him cast the first stone. They started dropping their rocks. In other words, it's not your job, nor is it my job to judge individuals. It's my job to love. It's my job to share the gospel. It's my job to teach what God's word says. It's between you and the Holy Spirit of God and God Almighty to clean up your life and to start walking right and living right. That's not my job. My job is to catch the fish, not clean them, which is my favorite part of fishing, by the way. Hello? So all of us need to, right now, hold your hand out. Pretend you have a rock. Hold it out. Hold it out right now. Pretend you have a rock, right? Maybe you see somebody doing something, and it says whether you eat it, the food or not, or whether you don't eat it, and you do eat it, whatever. Stop judging, whatnot. You know what we need to, we need to It's called drop the rock, right? So on the count of three, hold your hand out. We're going to drop the rock. Make sure nothing I can break is around here. Okay? One, two, three. That's what we need to do in our life. Okay? So that's what was going on here. Let's go a little further. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt. The one who does not. The one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master's servants stand or fall. And they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another, and another considers every day alike. So now we've gone from food to now they're divided over days, right? Are you with me? There are probably a lot of other things I could mention that I've heard in my 25-plus years of being a pastor. No. How old are you, Tyler? 30? 29 My 30-plus years of being a pastor. Man, I've got all kinds of things I could fill in here that folks have come to me about and point, point out your sins. Right? When I say you are, I'm talking about the church collectively. Okay? One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers one day or every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind, whoever regards one day as a special special. Let me back up. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains from eating meat, or I put that phrase in there, does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Verse 7. For none of us live for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. Get this. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Verse 10. This is good stuff, by the way. You then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we all will stand before God's judgment seat. Now, understand, that should have impact on your life, on how you're living, what you're involved in, what you're doing. I'm far more concerned about standing before God and being judged of Him than I am being judged by my peers. Hello? Hello? For we all stand before the judgment seat, as is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, verse 12, each of us will give an account of our neighbor to God. Now, those that have the Bible open, you know, I just I just misquoted that. Right. Each of us says, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Listen, when you stand before God, it's going to be you and God. That's it. And we all will be without excuse. You may say, well, well, you just just don't understand my husband. Or you just don't understand my wife. Or you just don't understand my children. God, you just don't understand my job. No. You just don't understand my pastor. (laughs) No. No. We're all without excuse. We're going to stand before him and give an account of ourselves. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, get this, make up your mind... Not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or a sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Let me try to boil that down like this. There's someone, let's use the context of food that's mentioned here in Scripture. There's someone that says, oh, I can't eat that meat because it was offered up to idols. And then the believer, another believer says, well, I don't see a problem with that. I'm, I'm just going to eat it, and I'm going to thank God for it, for providing it. And the other says, well, I'm going to thank God for it, for providing it. And it goes on to say this, what I need to do now, if, if I'm impacting someone's life and I know that someone is offended by me eating that particular meat, within the context of Romans 14 right here, what he's saying is now, I'm going to stop eating it. Why? Because I love you. And if me eating that is going to cause you to stumble or fall, then I'm not going to do it. Now, let me boil it all down to this. There's a lot of things in my life and in your life that we probably have liberty to do. That's not going to impact our salvation, but it is going to impact our witness and our testimony. And it may just cause someone else to stumble or fall. Therefore, as your pastor, there's a lot of things that I'm just not involved in. There's a lot of things that I just not partake, I will not partake of or do. Why? Because I love you so much and I want to see you grow in the faith and in the gospel and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that I don't want to do anything that I may have liberty to do, but I'm not going to do it because I don't want you to stumble or I don't want to hinder you in your walk with the Lord. You know what that's called? That's called spiritual maturity. You know what that's called? That's called walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. You know what that's called? That's called the fruit of self-control. You see how all this ties together? Right? Now there may be one individual say, you know what? I don't care what they think. I'm, blah, blah, blah. I'm gonna go do it and I don't care what they think. Well, you have just called someone else to sin or stumble or fall. Right? And you yourself may have sinned because you've got that spirit to where you don't love that individual like you should love them, which, by the way, is the second greatest command according to Jesus. Are we are we connecting all the dots here now? Are you with me? Okay. Now, you're going to start throwing all kinds of questions. What about doing this? What about doing that? What about doing that? I'm going to address that in just a moment. I said I was going to try to read all this. I don't know if I'm going to get through it. Uh, duh, duh. Let's go. Where did I stop? Verse number 15, the end of it, do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Verse 16, therefore do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Verse 19, here we go, I'm going to try to close it, get to verse 22 and be done. says, let us therefore make every effort, everybody say make every effort. In other words, you've got to put forth some energy. You've got to put forth some thought process right here. You've got to put forth some intentionality right here. You've got to get yourself out of the way and realize there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger impact. Life is not about me. Life is helping you and causing you not to stumble or encouraging you to sin. In me telling you that you can do something and you yourself may have a conviction that it's sin. It it goes both ways. Where did I get to? Somebody help me out here. Verse 19, let's just start over. Well, I'm going to have to keep starting over if you don't help me out here. So let me know when I stop so I can pick back up, okay? Let us therefore make every effort. There we go. Say, make every effort. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to what? Mutual edification. Mutual edification, encouraging one another, building one another up. Do not, verse 20 is big, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. But it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Now here within the context we're talking about food. But you put anything else in there, right? And if it's going to cause someone to stumble, then it is wrong. Verse 21, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and who? If I know it offends you. If I know you have a conviction about it as a believer, and I just tell you, I don't care what you believe, you're wrong, then I'm acting very immature, right? I'm not producing the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not encouraging mutual edification. I'm not trying to build someone up. Or if I turn around and... Now, there are some things in Scripture that's just flat-out sin, and the Bible addresses those. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff, right? Are you with me? I'm talking about the questionable stuff that's not really articulated in Scripture. But the principle of not causing someone else to stumble is we all need to – I'm going to drop it easy. It's still loud, in it? Drop the rocks, right? Change our lifestyle because I care enough about you. That I don't want you to stumble and fall because you see something in my life. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Let me try to get back here to my scripture. Our lives, get this, must not lead other people to sin. It does matter. So the principle is this. And and there's probably 30 more minutes that I could spend on that point. But I'm going to stop. The principle is this. When in doubt, don't people come to me all the time. They call me, they email, they shoot me a text. Hey, pastor, is it wrong for me to do this? Is it okay for me to do this? Is it all right for me to be involved in this as, as a Christian? This is my comeback. When in doubt, what? Don't. You see, if you have to ask if it's okay for you to do something, then most of the time... It's not okay for you to do something, right? And you're going to say, well, why is it not okay? I I don't know all the reasons why it may not be okay for you to do that thing. But what I do know that scripture is there, and it may just be that the Holy Spirit of God is fingering around in your heart and helping you trim some things out of your life or remove some things out of your life because now you're having a bigger impact for the cause of Christ, and he doesn't want someone else to stumble for what you may or may not be doing or partaking of. Does that make sense? Are you with me, guys? I hope I haven't lost you in this. So my point is simply this. Whenever it comes to things in our life, when in doubt, don't. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 9 is another verse of Scripture you may want to jot down. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. That's a, that's a key verse. That's a principle living verse. That's one of the key verses. Romans 14 is one of the key passages of what this this step talks about, about do not encourage others to sin. That really, Romans 14, the first Corinthian passage that deals with the same thing, is really how my wife and I have set some parameters and boundaries in our own personal life of things that we are going to do and are not going to do. Things that we will be a part of and will not be a part of. And I may have complete liberty from the Lord to do that because whatever it is may not necessarily be sin as far as doing that action. But it may cause someone to stumble, which then for me would be sinful to do, and then it may cause them to fall into sin deeper. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? I really can't see your faces because of these lies, so I need some verbal a response to know if you're listening or not, okay? Let's get to number six, and, and I'll be done with this. Number six, do not violate your own conscience. And I'm not going to be able to unpack this one like I wanted to. And I'm sweating like crazy up here. So if my shirt gets wet, it's, I am so hot right now. Step number six, do not violate your conscience. Look at First John chapter 3 and verse number 19. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassurance and reassure, reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Now, we're talking about right here our heart, and we've got to be sure that we do not violate our conscience. Scripture talks about how our conscience can be seared with a hot iron to where now, at one time in our own life, was wrong or we had a conviction about, now our conscience, because we have not guarded it and we have not taught it well, is now allowing things in our life to where now it's been seared or violated. So we got to be sure that we do not violate our conscience. Now, this kind of gets into uh, a, a debate on... Uh, on, on the conscience and and even apostasy and, and some of that goes through and i'm not going to even unpack that today but here's what i do want to say our conscience is a good guide and notice the key word if our conscience is a good guide for us if it is trained properly you must train your conscience To give you that gut feeling of what is right and wrong. Now, now initially, as a child of God, God's gonna, you're gonna have that, right? He's put that in us to, to, to know that we need more than just ourself. But then as we grow in our faith, we need to be training ourselves. And the way that we train ourselves is by reading and studying the Word of God and applying it to our life so that we can train our conscience to when, if we need an answer, we're we're straddling the fence, we need to know what to do. Then we can depend on our conscience. So don't violate your conscience. If you're conscious that you are training in the Word of God and you're growing that, it's getting stronger and stronger in you, and you come to a place where now you're at a crossroad, you've got to make a decision, and your conscience says, go right, and you say, oh, I'm going left today. You better go right, because you have been working and training your conscience, which, you know, to me, I feel that's the Holy Spirit moving in our heart and in our life and giving us that leadership in that direction. But my point is, don't violate it. Now, let me give you, for you it may be silly, for me it's not silly. Let me give you a little example of this. In my own personal life, have you ever, like, you're leaving the house and you're going out the garage or you're going out the front door and you you feel like, oh, maybe, maybe I need to turn around and go pick up something. Or maybe I need to turn around and go do something. Or maybe I need to pick up those keys that are laying right there and put them over there where they belong right before I go out the door. I know this is something little, but these are little things. I've got to the place in my life where I, I say, you know what? That's the Holy Spirit of God speaking to me. And so if he wants me to pick up those keys and hang them and put them in the right place before I go out this door, you may call that OCD, right? I call those little things my conscience or the Holy Spirit leading me for something. Because he may have needed to delay my trip for. Five seconds or 30 seconds or however long it took to do that to keep me out of some tragic accident of some sort right i mean just something little so i pay attention to that some some folks call them lemurs gut feelings all these different things when i feel that i just okay lord i believe you're telling me to do that and i just want to slide over there and do that real quick and then i'll be about my way OK, so don't violate your conscience in your Christian life. Let me wrap it up here with a few takeaways and I'm going to be done. I promise I've got four takeaways that I want you to get whenever we talk about our Christian life. OK, let me back up. I want to say one more thing about that. About our conscience or not violate our conscience. Here's what I want you to do. And I don't have a slide for this. So I want you to write this down. I want you to set your heart on the truth of God. Set your heart on the truth of God by teaching it his ways. So be intentional about that. Okay? And then whenever you come to the point of making a decision, then don't violate your conscience. Okay, takeaway. Here's your takeaway, number one. Number one in your Christian life, just love God first. Right? That's where it starts. We've got to love him so much that it's going to impact our lives. So love God first. That's your genuine desire to please him. Number two, love his creation. Well, who is his creation? Look to your right, look to your left. I promise you, no matter what you think, he created them. Right? That's part of God's creation. So we need to love each other. Love other people. Guys, do you realize that all of us are the object of God's love? Do you realize that every person that's ever been born, they are the object of God's love, and he loved them so much that he died for them? Therefore, we need to learn how to love his creation. So love his creation. Takeaway number three is this one. Now, this is a desire for you to use all the wonderful things that God has given you to further his cause and accomplish his purpose. you got to realize that you have purpose in this life. You have meaning in this life. You bring value to this life, but only when you're working to further his cause and accomplish his purpose in this life. I think that's a good takeaway from this. And then number four takeaway is live a life that backs up his word. That just backs up the word of God. So let's be intentional about that. Okay. All right. I'm going to have prayer with you. And if you have any questions about any of this, you have your connection card there. Um, you, for those that are digital, there's a digital connection card there for you to complete. For those that are writing things down, fill out your connection card. If you have a question, drop it in the box out there, and I'll address it this week, or email me, or text, or call, or whatever platform you use. I think I'm on all of them. You can connect with me, okay? And I'll help you through this. But I think that's a good study on how to live and how to walk this Christian. It does matter. Let's say that together. It does matter. It does matter. Say it again. It does matter. How we live our lives. So let's pay attention to that. All right. Before we dismiss today. We're not going to have a closing song. Uh, but I want to ask uh, Miss Carey to come up. I want to ask your family to come up also. Miss Carey leaves tomorrow for Texas. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For Alabama. She uh, has already been sworn in to the Air Force. Correct me if I'm wrong. Second Lieutenant. Okay. So when they say that, do they say second lieutenant Riley or they just say lieutenant Riley? Gomez. Second lieutenant. So do they say second lieutenant? Second lieutenant Gomez Riley. Okay. I'm trying to get all this stuff right. But I just want you to know that we love you. And we are very, very proud of you. And we're excited. And Josh, Josh, you served in the Air Force for quite a while, right? How many years were you in? Ten years? Right. So you guys have this Air Force background down pad, And so the roles are changing a little bit. And that's okay. God has a plan for this. I know in the Air Force that giving a coin is a big thing. So I have my own coin that I want to give you. This is the prayer of Jabez coin. You heard that verse? First Chronicles 4.10. It says, oh, that you would bless me. This is the prayer, praying to God. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory That your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. This is my coin to you, and I hope you'll take it as your prayer to God. Because God has, as the prayer says, enlarged your territory. He's given you influence. He's placed you in a position where you're going to be speaking into the lives of a lot of different people. Now, I realize there's people above you, and I understand the ranks, but you're in a position of influence. I want you to use that. It's one of my takeaways, not that one, but you can do that one, right? (laughs) What I'm talking about is the, the purpose of God. I want you to use this for the glory of God and realize that God has extended your influence. So in every decision you make, I want you to pray about it. I want you to ask God's direction, and I want you to honor God, and we are very proud of you. So let me place that coin in your hand, okay? Hope you enjoy that, all right? Thank you. All right, we're gonna have prayer. And Josh, you got something? All right, we're gonna have prayer in just a moment. Kiddos, you guys ready for this journey? Now the family's staying here, correct? Until December, and then they're going where? Keith, Mississippi, in Mississippi. Okay, so you're going to be in Alabama for how many weeks? Two months, and then Florida for two months, and then Mississippi, right? You know, the great thing about that is your husband has you some beautiful flowers. Yeah. You know, in a in a relationship and I learned this from Chuck Swindoll many years ago, he said in a relationship, we're either making deposits or withdrawals. You just made a big deposit right there. Right. We're proud of you guys. And um, Carrie, I want you to know that we love you that uh will be here for your family for those 2 months that they're here and I'm guessing they'll travel come on up here I'm guessing they're going to travel some and see you and different things and Miss Barber we're here for you guys but you have a church family here and once you're part of the Victory family you're always a part of the Victory family no matter where the military or God may lead you and send you you're always part of our Victory church family so remember you have a family here right church that loves you, that's praying for you, and we're very proud of you, and God has extended your territory and your boundaries. He's given you amazing influence. Use those gifts that he has given you for his glory, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this family. And Father, right now, I just pray for Carrie, and I know that what she's going through is a big change in her life, and, but God, you're going to use her. And right now, she may not see exactly how it is that you're going to impact her life and use her, but through every decision, every day, every step of the journey, she's walking and following you, and we just pray that you give her influence in this new position, in this job with the Air Force, this career with the Air Force. We ask God to bless her. Father, we pray for the family. We pray that you just protect them and watch over them. We pray that you meet all of their needs according to your riches and glory. Every emotional, relational, spiritual, financial, physical need. God, we pray that you meet all of those needs. Bless this family that's trying their very best to live for you and serve you. Bless them now in this new journey. Be with 2nd Lieutenant Gomez Riley. Bless her in this career path. And help her to use that influence to further your purpose and your kingdom work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you've just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to please call us at 618-622-9360 or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.